0: Throughout 2020, call centers have seen record-breaking call and contact volumes. Your call center is often the first experience a prospective patient has with your healthcare brand. Having the right technology and communication solutions can make all the difference. I'm your host, Penny Conway, and on today's all-new episode of Connection Tech Experience, I'm talking with thought leaders from Vonage and Connection on how the cloud can help you create an optimal patient experience from end to end. Brian and John, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. Thank you for having us.
0: Really excited to have uh, both of you here today. John, we were talking a little bit earlier. You are now a seasoned veteran of the Connection Tech Experience podcast. And Brian, we are so excited to uh, have you be a new guest to the podcast today. And so the first thing I'd really like to do is have you both just introduce yourselves to our audience, um, who you are, what you do, and what expertise you're bringing to our conversation today. So Brian, we'll go ahead and start with you.
2: Thanks, Manny. So Brian Gilman, I'm the Vice President of Product and Solutions Marketing at Vonage. Vonage is a world leader in cloud communications. So let's get into some acronyms for you. Uh, UCAS, Unified Communications as a Service. CCAS, your contact center. And then CPAS, your
1: communications API business.
0: Excellent. We are so excited to have you. John, uh, why don't you reintroduce yourself to the folks uh, listening?
1: Sure. John Furman, uh, Partner Alliance Manager for Connection. Really focused on three main areas within the organization, identifying and onboarding many of the leading X-as-a-service, UCaaS, CCaaS, CPaaS providers and solutions, as well as some of the emerging cloud and hosted services that best support our customers' needs, as well as supporting a team of cloud specialists. So those folks that are here working on the front lines with our account managers, with our customers and identifying and aligning with the right solutions to support whatever the business or technical challenges may be.
0: Excellent. So let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into our conversation today, which is going to be really around what's going on in healthcare from a call center and communications point of view. And I thought I would just sort of have our jumping off point be, Brian, and and I'd like to throw this question over to you, is a lot has changed in 2020. Uh, That's very apparent for all of us at Right now, we'd normally be sitting in a room together. We're all on camera together recording. But I wanted to talk a little bit about what's changed in the call center. You know, healthcare specific, but also I think that there's probably some trends across different industries that you've seen. So the call center has been a big norm for many decades now. So what do you think, Brian, has been, you know, some of the biggest changes that a call center has seen since the March 2020 timeframe?
2: yeah, so understatement of the year that the contact center has seen some changes over the past year. <laughs> it's funny. I've been speaking a lot about this, and I think one of the primary things that's changed for the contact center, when we all went into lockdown in late March, early February, depending on where you were living, I think we all thought that we were in for you know a three to four week little lockdown, and people would, you know, work from home for a couple of weeks, be a nice little staycation, and then we'd all go back to the office. In a three week period, You would have seen some call spikes of people wanting to go and check their bank balances. There was worry, worry about that. They would have maybe called. They would have called if they were feeling flu symptoms. They would have called into their doctor or the hospital to make sure if they needed to get tested or not. What happened was the three to four week period now became a ten month phenomena, and consumption changed. So people, people now, with, while they may have ordered food, let's just talk about, let's talk more broadly for a second. We talk about healthcare. They may have ordered food once, you know, while during a three week lockdown. They're now used to no longer going food shopping, where they're having it delivered to their door. They're no longer purchasing anything in, in retail stores. So the idea of brick and mortar has now gone away. They've gotten used to online banking. And Yeah. You know, while they may have had a singular telemedicine visit in the first in the first those first three weeks, they're now used to not going to the doctor. Consumption has changed. And as a result, how they're interacting with businesses has fundamentally changed. And, you know, when we talk about call center, it's not just the call center anymore. It's contact center. And It's because Mm -hmm. the ways that with with which they're communicating has fundamentally shifted most businesses approach to how they're going to communicate with end users.
0: Excellent point. And I, I like that clarification going from the typical call center where I am picking up a phone or, you know, make transferring a call or making an outbound call to sort of this omni-channel approach to a call slash contact center. So what are some of the other tools that people are starting to implement? I'm used to picking up a phone, but what are the other ways that I can now theoretically make contact with, you know, whether it be my doctor or like you said, a retail organization or whatever it may be.
2: I, th- I think the fundamental change is well, there's two fundamental changes. One, the phone hasn't gone away. But what's happened is is that you've had such tremendous call spikes. And we saw it very early on, call volumes kind of leveled out, but much higher than they were pre-pandemic. But that contact centers got were able to handle it in a number of different ways that we can talk about later. The other change is that is that while voice is still the primary their choice, consumers are now interacting with other businesses that may provide alternate channels. Think about Domino's, You know, I can pick up my cell phone and type an emoji and a pizza shows up on my door. <laughs> my kid showed me the other day he can order he can order a pizza from his Xbox. The consumption model and how companies are how consumers are interacting, interacting with other businesses has changed their expectations for how they want to communicate with all businesses. Mm-hmm. And so and so that that's changed two things. One, With the high call volumes that you have today how many times have any one of us called a bank or a retailer and you get one of two things your call wait time is 45 minutes you can sit and wait on it or the one that I'm hearing more times than I'd like to admit right now is due to high call volumes we can't take your call right now. and they hang up on you. So now I'm forced into alternate channels. And this is is irregardless of a vertical market. And so I better have an omni-channel approach to this, because if they're calling in and I can't service them, Mm -hmm. I better have a secondary, a tertiary means of communications with them. And it better be one that is more synchronous, so real-time. So I better have chat available with, with agents. Or if not, I better have really good email email capabilities or you know anything else sms to serve those other those other more self service types of applications
0: yeah, excellent point. And you know, John, your your team is really on the front lines working with customers across these these different, you know, markets from from healthcare to retail uh, to the restaurant industry. How has your team or what has your team seen in sort of the demand to just like Brian said, you pick up a call, we can no you know, we can't take your call at this time. The option now for that consumer, that customer, or that patient is to go somewhere else. How quickly are we seeing sort of the landscape change in terms of getting up to speed to be able to meet the current demands of consumers out there?
1: Yeah, I think the term customer experience comes to mind and is all too often maybe aligned to retail or or marketing or uh, hopefully not stated incorrectly, more glamorous things than than healthcare. But patient experience is just as critical and/or the ability to Get an update on an appointment change, put me on the wait list, the cancel list. We got to get in there. How do we speed up that process? And from a healthcare specific stance, what we hear a lot about is curbside experience. And I'll think of even a personal experience, which I believe Vonage was on the back end of supporting positively, is you pull up to the facility, you get a text message, you log in, you type in your credentials. And then they come out and tell you or you get a text that says, "Okay, it's safe to come in, i.e. we've gotten people out the back amidst the pandemic or, again, whatever is appropriate to support social distancing and all the other parameters that we need to live in today. So curbside experience, patient experience being elevated in the same capacity as we think of our experience, you know, Brian, as you mentioned, with Domino's, right, or our experience with our favorite retailer or online shopping Engine, whatever the case may be. So, improving that, making it more seamless, again, giving more options to stay connected, or at the very least, hey, there's 25 people in front of you. Do you want us to call you back? Right. I used it just today, full transparency. So, it goes a long way. And when you're dealing with healthcare in particular, nobody wants to wait. Everybody can argue the urgency, and it's almost always appropriate. Uh, but really, all you're looking for is knowing when you're going to hear back or what's going to come next or when can I expect to get on the line with somebody or get into the facility to be cared for, treated, whatever the case may be. So it's really just that customer experience it is no longer just for a retail customer. It's for a patient. It's for someone taking care of a loved one or a patient. And they're expecting that you know same tenacity to support their needs as somebody trying to you know sell them whatever the latest and greatest consumer good may be.
0: Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah, can I, right. I'd like to jump in here really quick because I think John brings up a lot of good points, and I think one of the things, especially for healthcare, we, everyone, I think we've all been hung up, especially in the past, you know, two years, where everyone was trying to crowd the term CX, where it was all about the experience, mm-hmm. all about the experience. But when you think about healthcare, it's really about a longer-term engagement from from you know the upfront appointment set to post-care treatment, and it, within that pe- patient pathway. The number of interactions between a doctor and patient can be you know almost infinite depending on the type of condition that a patient may be dealing with and you know from the onset healthcare facilities today are are already troubled by missed appointments long prior to any any healthcare crisis when you're now dealing with an environment where people are scared to go see a doctor you know as simple and 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 john brought it up when you get into the parking lot the sms to say that i'm here and and then that haven't come in more importantly make sure that patients getting that sms 24 hours in advance or 48 hours in advance saying hey you have an appointment on wednesday are you coming And if not, I can go to that next patient because missed revenue for doctors right now is closing more doors than anything else going Mm. on in the healthcare space. And then when we think about the risk in people with pre-existing conditions, the ability to interact with them within the comfort of their own home, whether it be through video, whether it be through whether it be through chat, whether it be through, you know, the, tele- the telehealth platforms that we brought up earlier, which allows for ongoing doctor-patient communication is so critical in today's environment to not have to expose them to other factors that they wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise.
0: Yeah, a great point. You know, I wanna take a couple of steps back a little when we started talking about the contact center. And cause, you know, getting, getting to your appointment, getting your messages that it's time for you to go into your appointment, whatever results from that appointment, how you can access them. But if we go back to that sort of customer slash patient experience, you know, I, like you, John, I'll use a personal experience. I had uh, an MRI a few weeks ago and I was trying to follow up and then try to get my referral for a spinal surgeon, whatever it might be. And I found myself having to call that doctor's office a number of times and their system in place was leave us a message and we'll call you back. Well, that resulted in like six phone calls back and forth because it was a terrible engagement plan. Let me call you at 10 o'clock and hope I get an appointment or a call back by 5 p.m. today. And then you talk about razor thin, you know, margins and, and lost revenue from missed appointments. I, I'm wondering if, if you know, healthcare providers, big or small out there, really understand the frustration that a, a patient can experience just from that first point of contact, of trying to just get a hold of somebody that might be able to help you, are they looking at at that as sort of, if we don't fix this problem over here, this first point of contact, then we can't even really start working on you know, how you get your lab results or how we, you know, notify you that it's time to come in. Is this a point of emphasis for healthcare organizations to really sort of clean up and organize and optimize what's happening at that first point of contact? Or is it part of that longer journey and plan of implementing a technology solution like you guys have?
1: I think it depends on the type of organization or healthcare practice or service that's being provided. However, I would answer that question with, you know, some real life conversations that we're having today, whether it's speaking with a chief of staff or a COO, you know, within a healthcare organization and they're very aware of the impact and they hear from the healthcare providers, right? Those that we appropriately acknowledge as heroes certainly in the current times let alone in general. If a call's dropping or a patient isn't able to reach them, that is significant and and I do believe they all that weighs on them, right? Personally. That said, the impact of that happening hits revenue, right? Mm-hmm. You need the revenue to support the organization, to support the healthcare, the medicine, anything that they may again be providing to the end patient. So it's a ripple effect that that starts with a potentially poor patient experience trying to reach or get an update or confirm whatever the case may be that rolls all the way up to the top. And we know that it. In general, you know they're working their tails off to ensure the calls don't drop, to ensure that they're able to be routed properly. But some of the legacy systems, if you will, limit how quickly they can react and triage an issue uh, versus the opportunities that CCAS and CPAS and, and UCAS in general, uh, you can react much sooner and, and you can get results faster to stop a potential revenue impacting issue from happening, as well as give you an opportunity to adjust to how you interact with patients, which has obviously changed in current times that much faster than you could with somebody having to go in the office and build something to integrate with something else, so on and so forth. Uh, so may have digressed a little bit there, Penny, but I think, I think everybody, especially in healthcare, genuinely cares about the patient experience and the information that they're trying to give to them or the care they're trying to provide, I do believe it all starts there. But as soon as that goes south, and the easiest way for it to do so is if they can't communicate effectively with you, of course, it's going to hit the bottom line, which is going to impact you know, that facility or that organization's ability to care for their clients and their patients
2: it's funny because i think you touched upon something that and this gets back to that length of time with which that this has taken place i think early on when when we when businesses talked about business continuity plans were and it was what happens if a forklift rips out the fiber that comes to my curb and it was like and i'm out and i'm and i'm offline for for 24 48 hours the the challenge is that early days you know, companies like Vonage would get these rush of calls of people who were like, all right, I was thinking about going to cloud, get me there tomorrow. And it was literally like, how mm-hmm. fast can we spin up a cloud instance to get these people up and running? There were a lot of people, to John's point earlier, where you talk about legacy systems. They were thinking, this isn't gonna be a long time. How do I get back to where I was pre-pandemic? And I think anyone who was thinking, how do I get back to where I was pre-pandemic is either close to out of business right now or is already out of business because, everything has changed. And, and you know, you, there was a, there was a study I was reading recently. I don't remember. I'm not going to quote it. I'm not going to attempt to quote it. But it was a majority of customers who were asked a question around, they, they, the majority of customers were revisiting their entire business plan as a result of this. And so you talk about business transformation. It's not like, I'm going to move my data to the cloud. They've had to rethink their entire business plan of what they're doing and how they're addressing customers as a result of this. And that, that gets to that period of longevity and, and consumer, that consumption change has really flipped everything on its head. And so if you were one of those people who said, I'm going to hang on for dear life with bubble gum and duct tape, and we're going to get back to where we were in January, they're in a world of hurt 10 months later had they not right. made the move. And you know the, the the people who thought about this and you know several months ago started saying, maybe we don't need a physical footprint. Maybe we don't need to think. Maybe we don't need to do business in X way. We're going to do it in Y. They're in a lot better place than they are, and they're probably still thinking about what can we do to make it better, knowing that the world six months from now, thankfully, should look a whole lot better than it does today. Vaccine news, et cetera, et cetera. Fingers crossed. But it's you know that the world's not coming back to the way that it was, you know, remote work, hybrid environments, that all impacts the contact center. I have agents now who have been dealing with horrible, horrible, horrible work environments where I may have had a customer who was more than happy, just needed to check where his package was. And after waiting 45 minutes wants to cut my head off, I have no access to my manager. I have no training. And this gets back to your experience in the healthcare space. It's, you know, The agents have been put at at, at the crux of this issue because they're the ones having to deal with all of these challenges, coupled with the fact that I'm now artificially creating more stress and more anger because I can't get them on the phone fast enough. So it's really that that transformation of business and how companies have either thought about it or not is really the delineating factor of who's going to be a winner coming out of this.
0: Excellent. And I I want to continue on the what you're saying about having that that agent available to to do their job to the best of their ability to support their, you know, a hospital's patient base or, you know, across other markets, different customers. And you know, one of the things I was looking at as I was preparing for this episode is I just did a quick search to see how many jobs were open for a healthcare call center or contact center representative. And a quick search on Indeed produced 55 five thousand Open positions. And I was like, holy cow, that's a lot of positions that are open, but it's also a very entry level position, usually, to work in a contact center in whatever industry it might be in most industries. And so, when we start talking about solutioning, and there's a huge demand to have more people, more resources, more avenues to route patients and customers to get the right information. When we look at all of these jobs and all of these jobs being mostly entry-level positions, what are the technology tools that come with UCAS, CCAS, and CPAS that, that say, okay, I can now as an individual, I'm fully trained, When a customer calls and has X and call needs to be transferred, I know how to do it easily. Or I have someone of expertise, like a clinician perhaps that might be able to help me understand how I need to handle this, this incoming patient. What's available through, you know, the Vonage solution and the connection partnership that sort of establishes this contact center and the wealth of information that's needed to really have that that positive patient experience?
2: All right, so that's a long, long answer. So let me go through this really quick. I, let's, let's start at the core of the contact center. I mean, clearly having the integrated contact center within, within the CRM functionality, you know, whether it be Salesforce Health Cloud, is really critical in order to be able to pull the information very quickly. A, a call comes in, there's a screen pop that comes up. It's John Doe, John Doe is doctor so-and-so's patient. You know, you have all the relevant information because the most important thing here, and I'm gonna segue in a minute, we're gonna do a hard left. Uh, But the most important thing is making sure that you're getting the right patient to the right agent at the right time. That is is the criticality of, you know, reducing your average handle time, first call resolution, all of those metrics that every contact center wants. And a lot of times that information either is disjointed or if, you know, it's that old airline experience, you call, you give them, you know, you give them your your mother's maiden name, rights to your firstborn, your social security, <laughs> and they go, oh, you want international, let me hand you off to so-and-so. Right. What's the first thing you have to do? You have to re-verify everything. Yep. So it, it's that intelligence behind the contact center is so Massively critical so the integration into that Salesforce health cloud environment really really important Secondarily, you know, what can you do to help customers verify themselves before they get into that call? So you start to think about the needs for API to, su- to support that omni-channel environment. You know, you can provide things like two-factor authentication so that patient can identify themselves prior. Uh, you start to get into the agent needs, which I think is really is an underserved portion of this market because, like I said, that has really been a massive issue today where you're not getting the training or, or the needs that you need need to have. So, things like conversation analyzer where you can start to you can start to score a call based on keywords where you can start to see when emotions starting to elevate and where a manager can come in and intervene. Really, really important to maintain that 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 customer engagement and those scores that you really want to see those NPS scores and patient satisfaction scores. And then how do I start to think about those other channels for what we spoke about earlier? SMS, chat, Video. Those other areas where customers social and something we haven't even discussed today. But with those other areas where people may come in and want to contact me. How can I make sure that I'm available across all those? And if I'm not available on on their first choice, I'm easily giving them secondary and tertiary choices to make their experience the best that I can. And that that is something that you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on further. <laughs> Although because you, you talked you brought up UCAS, so we haven't really talked about UCAS, but when you can, when you when you can start to think about the contact center usually sits outside of, of the, of the UC solution. When you can have a single pane of glass to provide a single active directory. So that way, if I am a contact center agent and I need to bring in a third party, who's not within my contact center pool, I can see presence and I can see the availability of other people within the employee base, bring them into a call very easily. Once again, it's providing that, that, it's reducing the friction of the right. call from a patient coming in and any way that you can do that. That's where having that that single voice, a single provider to help you with all three legs of that stool is really important. The fourth thing I would talk about is how good your partner is to help you map that out. That customer journey is in journeying is really important and having a having a partner like a connection to come in and help you with that journey mapping is, is so critical.
0: Excellent. John, tell us a little bit about that journey mapping.
1: Yeah. And I I was just going to make the comment to your 55,000 job postings. I would be curious, uh, not to put you on the spot, but maybe a (laughs) follow-up, how many of those job postings are for remote support agents?
0: You know, I actually looked at that and it was listed in the job posting itself, like as a, a, you know, if indeed were to post um, like the criteria, it wasn't a lot. It was like five or six hundred. That's- were listed as remote or like an 192 were remote during COVID. So it was like a temporary work. But my guess would be if I dug into the actual job descriptions themselves, there's probably more remote flexibility that are in there.
1: Well, not to plan a landmine on myself before making the point <laughs> as a follow-up, but maybe touching upon, maybe it starts as remote because of what we're going through now. Yeah. But ultimately, we want you back in the facilities, we want you back in front of the offices, in front of patients and employees, so on and so forth. But the technology that enables that flexibility and as a part of, if you will, the, the conversations that we look to have with, with our customers is what type of flexibility you're looking for. From a UCAS perspective, I had this conversation earlier today, Penny was actually talking to somebody about device as a service, but comparing it to other as a service adoption, right? What what are we seeing from a connection lens? And it comes down to, I I guess, an acronym, I can't take credit for I heard it from somewhere else, but I'm using it as my own, RSA, Reliable, Scalable, Accessible. Mm -hmm. And if you look at that from an employee perspective, reliability, it needs to be there no matter where the infrastructure is hosted, who's supporting it, if you're building it, maintaining it, or somebody like is. But the scalability and accessibility you could combine those two things to flexibility. If I need to send a bunch of people home because there's a, a spike, if I need to bring a bunch of people back in because we're overwhelmed, how can my technology shift as quickly as people can get in and out right. their cars and get in and out of the facilities? And you know, I'm a firm believer, biased or otherwise, that these types of solutions, UCAS and CCAS in particular, give you that flexibility to make those moves and changes in, in as real time as possible, if not in real time. And then you look at the, the CPAS part of the conversation, and that's where you get into some really unique and uh, to some futuristic possibilities, right? When somebody calls in and they are heated or it's recognized in the database because the technology is integrated into whatever database for their records is, that you know, there's a long history of maybe something serious or highly sensitive, whatever the case may be. Let's not route them to the agent that just started a week ago. Let's mm-hmm. route them to level two. Let's route them to a more experienced person that can handle that conversation that much better. Going back to patient experience, those things are all technology enabled and it will help the agents be more successful. Uh, because the other side of this, Brian, you mentioned a hard left. I'll go hard right. When I hear contact center in say a, a, a more a non-healthcare related sense, one of the biggest challenges is retention. Are these agents leaving? Right? Because it's it's high stress. I've been that high stress consumer calling in about mm-hmm. my cable bill, and I, I regret to maybe admit this. I probably you know, hurt some feelings along the way because I'm so (laughs) upset about what I'm dealing with on my end as non-severe as that case may be. But if things are routed properly, if the right information shows up, why is this person calling or what was their last checkup or what was their last appointment? Who was the last doctor they saw? Whatever the case may be, you can jump in and and be um, consoling in a way, right? But it goes back to the technology enabling that. And the conversations we're having with customers is, you know, how far does that experience go? What are you looking to create today? What are you looking to develop in the future? And what services, what platforms give you the best opportunity to to get what you need now, as well as scale into what you need in the future, right? Are you looking into speech analytics and recognizing tonality and things of that nature? Or is that something that you're... You know you're ready to take advantage of. Okay, that's a conversation with a select group of solutions and mm-hmm. providers like Avantage. It's a shorter list, so let's start there, versus dragging you through some conversations that won't give you that that future state that you desire.
0: I love that. You know, one thing that I I think we have always heard, you know, in our careers and in technology is a pushback has always been, you know, you use technology, technology can may or may not replace human contact or human response. But John, everything you're saying about, you know, uh, understanding why a patient is calling in, what that history is, what the tone of their voice is. Technology is allowing us and allowing agents in this position to have empathy. It's giving them the tools to be more empathetic to a customer or a patient to shepherd them through the next phase. And I I think that's really profound when we talk about the implementation of technology from a customer or patient experience that can be huge if you're someone like the Cancer Center of America you might want to have more information on a on a customer's or a patient's history you know versus maybe a family dental practice or or something like that so i like how you sort of you know set the stage for how organizations can choose to implement things like that to enhance their the patient journey
1: well i'll make two other points and i know we said we weren't going to get too technical but brian it might be worth touching on security to a degree Right? especially within healthcare. But first point is how many times have we been transferred? Oh, let me get you to this group or this person. Oh God, yeah. And then you jump on the phone, right? I'm getting heated thinking about this, that poor yeah, cable Yeah, or they agent. give you
0: another phone number to call. That's my favorite. And then they ask you for the same information.
1: <laughs> What's your name? What's your address? What's your social? Again, whatever identification and you hear them plugging it in. Well, ideally a better experience is when you get there, they know who you are. Right. Because that information transferred just like that call did. And that comes with the integration to the other applications any entity would use to track their patients, customers, or otherwise. But the other side of it is, especially in healthcare, these are sensitive topics on sensitive subjects, on very personal pieces of information. And so certainly IT is either to blame or expected to ensure it's compliant right is it hipaa is it high trust you know whatever else is appropriate pci so on and so forth and when you relinquish that technology into some sort of a hosted model historically there's been that concern around security i think we've moved well past that as you know as this market continues to expand and these solutions are more and more adopted but you have to know going into it which is another part of our dialogue with customers you know what are those parameters? What are those regulations and compliances that you have to adhere to? And again, let's only focus on the solutions the providers that can deliver that. That will deliver a and BAA by channel. and yeah, things yeah. of that nature. So, Brian, I don't know if you wanted to double down on that a little bit.
2: Yeah, no, you're you're spot on. I mean, especially in healthcare, that regulatory compliance environment is so is so strict, and so it's. Having a provider that one can provide a BAA that is HIPAA compliant, has high trust, but also has a firm understanding of all the regulatory nuance by channel, whether it be voice, whether it be chat, whether it be SMS, because they they differ. And it you know having somebody who has a full understanding of that environment and can help you navigate it is paramount. And you know it, that, that that's really where you know working with your vendor, working with your partner is so critical these days, just to understand that if as you're providing net new services that you're 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 providing you're being provided all the guidelines required from a technology perspective to provide a secure, reliable service.
0: Brian, tell me a little bit about, and you're right, John, we don't like to get too technical, but I think that this is a really important topic because with that scalability of being able to send people to home to work, there is patient information now in people's homes on devices that other people may have access to, whatever it might be. Tell us a little bit about the high trust HIPAA certification, I believe, that Vonage has. I believe they were. Um, we can cut this if I'm wrong, but I think in 2016, you know, really uh, got this certification. And I'd love to give you a moment uh, before we wrap here to really hammer that home for us in, in terms of what that certification means and how, you know, Vonage might stand out from its competitors that maybe don't have that same certification level.
2: So you know, not not to change the question, but there's two aspects to what you're asking. From a communications channel Vonage has their HIPAA and High Trust security compliances, which, which allows for secure communications of, of uh, patient data. There's the second part of your question, which is equally as important but plays a little bit outside of the world of Vonage and Connection, which is I have a whole bunch of other platforms which are sitting within my environment, which is where the wealth of data sits for, for my patient records, whether that be Health cloud, your EHR platform, etc., where where the communications platform will sit within as a component to it, but is it, that that is its own island of information, which will also have its own uh, regulatory and compliance standards that they need to abide by. So when you talk about HIPAA and high trust, it's not only. It, there's multiple facets to think about, especially in a work-from-home environment, because they're pulling records and they're having communicate. There's there's the records, and then there's the communications vehicles. You need to make sure that you're compliant on both ends. Uh, John, I don't know if you have anything further you want to add to that.
1: We get the uh, the luxury of scrutinizing partners like yourself <laughs> adhering to all that. Uh, so otherwise, I'll I'll concur uh, if appropriate at this point.
0: Excellent. So I think that this is honestly a conversation that could go much longer, but I, I think that we've really talked about one, how the contact center has, has changed. I think it was changing well before the pandemic, like many things, but it certainly has escalated and accelerated the change of the contact center. And needing to be able to have all of that, the different omni channels of communication available to make sure that the the customer or the patient, which really patients are customers when we think about it. You know, what's funny is I'm trying to close here and I'm going to go on, take my own left hand turn here is in my my MRI search and all that I was I've been so afraid to ask people, how much things cost when really, even though I'm a patient, I'm also a, a consumer, I'm a customer. And I think that this whole pandemic has opened, you know, cracked open that sort of thought process of me as a patient is also a customer of the healthcare business. And I think the move to have more of these contact centers and tools and portals and ways to interact with our healthcare providers is making that more and more apparent every day. So it's really exciting to see, Brian, what you guys are doing at Vonage and how we at Connection are really supporting and fostering that for you. But the other you know, topics that we went through briefly at the end here was security and high trust and HIPAA compliance and just how incredibly important that is to building and rolling out and scaling uh, a solution across your organization. John or Brian, before we wrap here, is there anything that we missed that you really just want to make sure that we bring home and and share with our audience that's listening in today?
1: I would add, you know, from a connection lens, like any other critical decision, I think we, at times, healthcare or otherwise, we, we take our phones for granted. It's just expected that it's available. We can place the call. We can send the text, whatever the case may be but it's critical to say the least. And it all starts with developing the right plan and have an understanding of what that plan should be. Or, or if there isn't one, we need to get one in place uh, because right. there are some technologies out there that have been used, you know, tried and true for a long time. And it does take a transition plan to move away from that. It doesn't have to be a rip and replace. Where I'm going with that is, you know, a very important part of conversations that we look to have with our customers is is in and around that plan. How quickly do you need to do this? We all want things done right away. We all want to take advantage of all the great technologies and integrations that someone like Avantage can offer. But there's an employee experience associated with that. Right. Let alone a technology transition experience and you got to approach it the right way or you got to commit to some sort of a plan to get there. So I could tell you, in you know, firsthand experience working with Vonage, or you know, some of the specialists on my team working with Vonage and some of our customers, you know, there's 18 month, 24 month, 36 month plans to roll out. You know, depending on the size of the organization, how spread out you are, to roll out that technology, and there's also training and enablement. This stuff is easy. It's great to use once it's in place, but there is an adoption that you have to prepare for as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. At the very least, we like to set those expectations and then partner you know, with Vonage to you know, carry out that plan and that transition process. So nobody's surprised. Are there challenges? Certainly. Challenges will always present themselves network-wise or whatever the case may be. But if you have a phased plan and approach that you stick to, the experience and the outcome, I think, is as positive as anything uh, versus this maybe fear of, I have to rip and replace everything I have. You don't. Right. You have to get there. It is a journey. i it putting up my air quotes, right? <laughs> but have a plan. And we like to focus on having conversations around that plan, transitioning that conversation around the plan to our partner and, you know, carrying that forward. So yeah. my notes. Down. I love
0: that. Managing expectations and timelines.
1: <laughs> and I'll take two seconds. and I'm going I'm I'm to stay right on what,
2: what John was just talking about. You know, I think most companies prior to this were thinking about some form of digital transformation. I don't know that they necessarily were thinking about the role that communications played within that journey. And I think that the one thing that everyone has realized is that you don't have to have a primary plan. You have to have a backup plan and a backup of a backup plan. And you have to think through now. You know, I've been saying this for months now. You had companies like Amazon and Domino's and Uber that had really transformed some of the ways that we had done really basic things in life, like hail a cab and order a pizza. But it's gonna be, but what we're seeing now is a whole rash of net new technologies that are coming out. I mean, you watch every day, there's a new venture-backed company that is doing something really, really cool in the communication space, whether it be on a productivity side or some of the stuff that they're working with, with like things like Vonage APIs. The world tomorrow, Yeah, it may look a little bit more like it did yesterday than it does now, but the way that customers and the expectations that have changed now are going to be forever changed. And for those who who don't have a plan for what that new world looks like and how they're going to deliver services and the role that communication plays in that, they're going to be left behind because I think the pace of innovation that we're going to see going forward is going to just be nothing like we've ever seen. So, you know, work, find your journey, find your Find your provider who can help you navigate these waters because you know, if it was rough before, the competitive, the competitive lens going forward is gonna be that much maybe that much worse.
0: Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Brian and John. There is no longer any time to wait if you want to be competitive, retain your customers, and stay in business because the way that everyone consumes regardless of product or service is completely changed. Even if we go back to quote unquote normal life as we used to know it, uh, our demands are have certainly changed as a result of the last 10 months. So uh, thank you both so much for joining me and having this conversation about this transformation. If you are interested in any part of the solution that Connection and Vonage discussed today, or you just want to kind of map out what this journey looks like for you and your organization, uh, please visit us at www.connection.com. You can also call your account manager um, and they will connect you with our resources on John and Brian's team to help walk you through this. And on whatever platform you are listening to us on today, please be sure to like, share, and follow so you can get new episodes as they're released. Feel free to leave us a comment or email us us at podcast at connection.com if you'd like to chat with us about today's episode. Again, Brian, John, thank you so much for joining. I hope you'll be back soon to continue this conversation, maybe even across some different uh, vertical markets as we see this really unfold uh, over the next, what, one, two, three, five, ten 10 years? <laughs> Who knows what's to happen? <laughs> <laughs>
2: That thought's scary, but I just scared everybody.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I meant more the digital
0: transformation. (laughs) 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 All right, thanks so much, guys. Thanks,
1: Benny. Thanks, Brian.